This is Anchors, Freaks, and Drinks. I'm your host, Matt Perdue. All right, welcome back, guys. This is the Anchors, Freaks, and Dreams podcast. And it's a big welcome back. It's been about two months, I suppose, since our last one. We're going to jump right back in the saddle. Today, we're going to be talking about motivation. Not how to get it, but how to keep it. In any endeavor like where you want to accomplish anything big, achieve some type of a big goal, there'll be a list of things that you need to do and a list of things that you need to not do, things that you need to avoid. Now, depending clearly on the nature of the goal and where you're starting from, it's going to dictate whether or not you have a, a lot of you know, long to-do list and, or a long to-don't list. For example, if you say you're a senior in high school, you want to be you want to be a surgeon. Well, you've got a long list of to-dos. And you probably don't have any to-don'ts. I mean, you're starting you're starting from square one, like you're scratch. You don't die, don't get a weird addiction. That's basically all there is to it. But the thing about your to-do list, it's very linear. Everybody who everybody who wants to be a doctor or surgeon goes through the same list of to-dos. It's very clear. Now, let's say, for example, you, you're on a, a lot of medications and your doctor says, hey, you need to really change your lifestyle. You can get off these drugs or possibly live longer. So there... There's only a few to-dos, maybe. A couple, get sleep, move, get some exercise. But there's a long list of to-don'ts. Because the reason that you're on the medications in the first place is because of your unhealthy lifestyle, your bad choices, your bad habits. You need to stop those. And it almost doesn't really matter what you replace them with. Just stop doing things like don't eat that, don't drink that. Stop smoking, you know, those sorts of things. You're not starting from scratch. You're starting from negative eight. You're trying to get back to scratch. So both of these, you're going to require motivation to keep going. And the point here is, you know, you don't need to get motivation. Motivation is like sleep or hunger. It's cyclical. It waxes and it wanes, and it depends on what action you take towards it. So let's say you get drowsy and you sleep, and then you wake up and you're not drowsy for a long time. Maybe you have a big meal, but either either way, your drowsiness will eventually come back till you take action on sleep. Hunger, same way. Well, what you your motivation for things does the same thing. It'll get to a level of discomfort to where you'll take action on it. And then after a little while, it'll go away. And then you'll stop taking action. And what we want is to keep going. Keep that motivation to take action. So when I grew up, there was this restaurant in a town near where I grew up. Loved going. It was a Japanese restaurant called Makoto's. It's still there today. 
And it's your classic teppanyaki. The chef comes out, makes a big show, loud noises, little onion volcano, throwing shrimp tails at people, a lot of slapping his knives on the grill. And the food's great. But if you got the shrimp, they had the shrimp sauce. And you're supposed to dip your shrimp in and get a little zing, but it's so good, everybody asks for it. And they dip their chicken, their steak, their mushrooms, their carrots. They pour it over their rice. They pour it over their salad, for goodness sake. It's their secret sauce. And it makes everything taste good. Now, this isn't wasn't unique to Makoto's. I mean, I've been to several different Japanese restaurants, and they all have something similar like a white sauce or a yum-yum sauce. The the, the thing is that with this secret sauce is that even when you got full, if you just dipped it or poured the secret sauce on it, you could keep eating. We're going to talk about a secret sauce for motivation. That even though your natural motivation would go start to go away, you just pour the secret sauce on it and you'll keep going. And then you can accomplish that goal. So there are four ingredients to the secret sauce. The first ingredient to keeping your motivation is desire. Number one, this is a big one. How bad do you want it? And I'm not saying how bad do you want to accomplish your goal as much as how bad do you want to extract the glory from achieving it. So if you want to be a doctor, you want to be a surgeon, it's not so much how bad do you want to accomplish, you know, finishing your school and getting your MD. It's what that MD represents socially into yourself internally. I mean, maybe you've watched Grey's Anatomy, you're a fan, ER back in the day. I don't know if ER is still on. I don't think so. I don't really watch TV. But the there's something about doctors in our society that we just hold them in high esteem. It, it, it's dramatic. It's something special. You're a doctor. You can do, you're a surgeon especially. Like You can do something that few people can do. And you've gotten to a place that few people could get to. And my dad was a dentist. He, I mean, I don't know. He never said this, but you could tell he really loved being called Dr. Purdue. That was part of his identity. Like, that was a big part of it, being being a doctor, being a dentist. You know, somebody called him Mr. Purdue. He'd like, shh, wince. <laughs> what rabble would call me Mr. The shame. Like, it's it's real. And how bad do you want that? Internally, how bad, how much do you appreciate the fact that you did something that was highly skilled, the mastery of it all? Let's say I wanted to get a six-pack. Why do I want to get a six-pack? Well, it's not so that I'll be, I'm smaller and I can fit into the the jeans I used to wear like in high school. I already get enough flack for the clothes that I wear. I don't need to be pulling out my 
my pleated acid washed jeans. <laughs> no, it's the glory of it all. Very few people have a six pack, especially a clean one, a defined one. And maybe a few 16 year olds, some starving people, like bodybuilders taking steroids. It's just very rare. And it's special in our society. And the level of mastery that it would require would be special to, if I were to be able to do that, I would feel like that's, what an achievement. It's that glory. You know, I'll tell you what, if I had a six pack, I'd be headed to the pool a lot more, going down to the lake. <laughs> what are you doing this weekend? Going to the lake. <laughs> I mean, no, like on Sunday, what are you doing? Going to the lake. <laughs> I'm going Saturday and Sunday and Friday. I'm playing, I'm playing beach volleyball with the college kids. <laughs> Shirts, skins, I'm skins. Yeah, like, that's real. That's, people want, they want to feel special. They want some type of glory. It's the freaks, right? How bad do you want it? That's the fuel. If there's a wildfire, it's only going to keep burning as long as there's fuel. There was one that blew up on Friday across the street from where I live. And I drove over there when I was coming home. I saw the big plume of smoke. And I was like, oh, no, I'm going to get evacuated. And I just wanted to see if it was a rager, right? But it, it wasn't. It was just a grass fire. And the, the, the fire department was already there, and they put it out. Well, it was easy because... It was kind of encapsulated between this creek and, you know, um, a, a neighborhood. And so there wasn't a lot of fuel to keep the fire going. But if the wind had whipped up and it got over into the trees up in the hills, then it would have it would have been a rager. It would have had the fuel. Your desire is the fuel. Number two, price. And Right, in anything that you want to achieve, there's a price you got to pay. You need to count the costs. If you want to stay motivated, you already have to know the price you're going to have to pay. If you want to become a surgeon, oh my gosh, you got to know. The next 15, 20 years of your life are already mapped out. You can't do anything else. Are you willing to pay that price? What is the discomfort, the time, the energy that's going to be demanded of you in order to achieve it? If if you have a family member that's ever had cancer and had to go through the different therapies, you already know that the oncologist sits them down ahead of time and says, hey, this is going to be a process, and it's going to be a painful process, and it's going to be a long one. Don't think this is just going to be over. If we're going to have the first two surgery, then we're going to need to go through this round of chemo and then after that, maybe radiation, and then there'll be another, you know, stem cell, bone marrow, all this stuff. And they do that. They hit you up front. Nobody wants to hear that news, but they do that because they know that if you don't already count the costs and know the price you're going to have to pay, that you're going to break and you're going to give up. And they want you to keep your hope along the way because the more hopeful you are, the more healthy you're going to be. The greater your chances of success. That's the statistics. So know the price you're going to have to pay to achieve the goal that you want. Three, belief. 
Now, there's two sets of belief because there's two kind of things going along. One is this desire that I have to achieve this goal. Do I believe that it's possible that I can obtain this, that I can achieve this? You know, there's this is all a big mash of, of, of beliefs because there's the there's the belief that you can achieve it. There's a belief that you're willing to pay the price to achieve it. There's the belief that when you get there, that the glory that you seek, the result will be there. So let's say, for example, okay, here's a, here's a good one. Let's say I have jury duty and I'm hanging out, waiting for my number to be called. And somebody says, hey, you know, this is the tallest building in the city. And you're like, oh, okay. He's like, yeah, it's eight stories. And I'm like, oh, well, okay, you know, we're not in New York. He's like, do you think you could walk to the top? And I'm like, well, does, do the stairs go to the top? <laughs> He's like, yeah, do you think you could walk eight flights of steps? And I'm like, yeah. And he's like, nah, no, you couldn't. <laughs> and so I'm like, what? Uh, okay, whatever. Um, um, but yeah, that you mean like walking, right? Not sprinting. And he's like, yeah. And I'm like, yeah, uh, yeah, I could. And he's like, prove it. And I'm like, what is my motivation to walk eight flights of steps at that? It's not very high. It's not because I don't believe that it's possible. It's just that I'm not willing to pay the price. There's nothing, there's no glory in it. There's no desire. But then he's like, all right, I'll give you a thousand bucks. And I'm like, what? He's like, yeah, I'll give you a thousand bucks if you walk to the top. Okay, what's my motivation now? Well, I believe that it's possible. And, and suddenly I have a desire to achieve a thousand dollars. But am I going to do it? It's very, very unlikely. Why? Because I don't believe that the end result will give me the glory that I want, will give me the desire. And so, but what if he says, okay, look, there's a lawyer here that's on jury duty. He was going to write us up a contract. We'll get a notary right here at the courthouse. And I'm going to swipe my card on this little machine and put it in an escrow account. And you all you gotta do is pull it out. And I'm like, okay, I've signed the contract. Now am I motivated? Yes, absolutely. A thousand bucks to walk eight flights of steps. I don't even have to run. I, there's a handrail. <laughs> yeah, totally. So that's the way, this is the way the belief works. What's your expectation? All right, number four, and this is what I like to call enjoyment, and you can call it by many names. It really is not, it doesn't have anything to do with the result. It has to do with the process. Can you extract any life from the process, the action steps that you're going to need to do? Fulfillment, satisfaction, contentment, self-actualization, identification, the flow, 
right? If you if you want to be uh, back to this doctor thing, you want to become the doctor and you don't get anything out of studying, learning, acing a test. If none of that, if none of that is glorious or interesting or anything, then no way, no way. Don't don't look. Just leave it to the actors. Just enjoy the TV show. Do something else. If when you're studying, you don't feel like you're superior to the other students in the room in your in school, don't don't do it, man. It's not worth it. Because it's not like studying's fun. It's not like sitting there and listening to a professor or teacher talk and have to focus really hard is fun. But do you get anything out of it? If you are, if you want to lose weight, like this big, or you want to get in shape and you working out, and at the end of your workout, you're just like, oh man, that thing killed me. What the heck? Ugh. You're done. Like don't you're doing the wrong thing. You've you're you're trying to achieve the wrong goal, or you need to reconsider what you're doing. Like I, this whole thing, like you're because you can't get anything out of the experience, your belief just dropped. You're not going to be able to pay the price. You're done. But if the end, let's say I'm work out and I'm sweated through my shirt, I'm high-fiving everybody else in the room like good job. That was a killer workout. Okay? That's what we're talking about. I just extracted some life from it. I just felt accomplished. I got a challenge, it was painful, I overcame, bang. That's huge. If I'm working out by myself, guess what? I'm headed to the lobby. I'm, I'm nestling up next to the bar, getting a smoothie, hanging out for a while. I'm waiting for people to be like, hey, yo, you, you dump a bucket of water on your head? I was like, no, I had a killer workout. <laughs> that's, that's what we're talking about here. There was this kid when I was growing up. He, was, he went to the church I went to. He was a few years younger than me, but he was kind of like a virtuoso prodigy on the piano. And, I mean, he could play the greats, Beethoven, Chopin, and he would do a little ditty every once in a while for the church, and everybody would applaud him, and it was amazing. He was a little kid. And my sister played piano, and when she started, um, my mom was like, do you want to do it? And I'm like, nah, play piano. Psst. Practice. Practice. You know, I'm not going to do that. I had no attention span. I knew I was I couldn't have pulled it off. Well, my, my sister did it, and the instructor was like, you need to practice an hour a day. And I think my sister tried it one time and cried, and so she made a deal with my mom to do it a half hour a day. And so my mom was like, you're going to at least practice a half hour a day if I'm going to pay for your <laughs> instruction. <laughs> so my sister did practice an hour, a half hour a day. And, and it's blurry in my mind now because we were kids how long this this um, piano lesson thing went well eventually it worked its way down to 15 minutes a day and then eventually it was like she would hop down and play you know a couple songs that she enjoyed playing for about five minutes and then it was over and there was this kid right and we asked him hey how much do you practice and he's like five hours and we're like oh okay well how many days a week do you practice because my sister i think only had to play on the weekdays and he's like six and i'm like oh Wow, that's not too bad. You don't even practice an hour a day. And you can play like you play? He's like, no, five hours a day. 
hit my sister and I was like, what? Seriously, at that point in my life, I had never heard anything crazier. There was nothing in my life that I ever heard that was that ridiculous. That this 11-year-old, 10-year-old, whatever he was, would sit on a wooden bench and practice piano five hours a day. Like, he wasn't a prince. He had to go to school. He had to do homework. And I'm sure that he would rather have been playing video games than sitting sitting on that bench. I'm sure he would rather be watching TV or watching a movie or hanging out with his friends. But he did it. Even today, it sounds crazy. Like maybe, maybe this was just a short phase. Maybe he was lying. I don't think so at all. But here's the thing. What are the odds that the discomfort for him would have been the same as me sitting on that bench practicing for five hours? Oh, well, let me put it this way. This is on the scale. There would have been prison, then a labor camp, then practicing five hours on the piano, then a gulag, and then hell. <laughs> he would have been, it would have been right in the middle of that. That That's my experience. That's what I would have extracted from it. A tooth, right? That would have been it. No sedative. And then what are the odds that the, the level of enjoyment or um, fulfillment that he would have received from practicing for five hours and I would have received? Now, clearly, a lot of this is conditioned. It's not just DNA. But that goes without saying, nurture and nature. What do you get out of something is part of it's your experience that you've had in the past. Well, it's, again, same thing. I would have gotten maybe nothing out of it except for, you know, a backache. But he would have, let's say he he practiced and he was done and he was doing a, some scale and, you know, F major whatever minor scale i don't know you know i'm i'm out of my depth right now but the point is is that he would have he didn't finish it he didn't hit it and he's closing up the ivories and he's thinking i'm glad practice is over now i can go do something fun but in the back of his head he's thinking i'm coming back tomorrow and i'm getting that metronome out and i'm going to nail that scale there's a sense of expectation and a sense of accomplishment, mastery. He knows who he is. And every time he practices, he identifies with it. And that's the glory that he's identifying with just through the action steps. The, the person he is, is a master. And even though he doesn't enjoy the process all the time, so even though he doesn't even really look forward to it a lot of the time, the process, he extracts a level of accomplishment, contentment, identity, and flow. And that's what you need. That's one of the critical ingredients. And if you have those four ingredients, that's what we call the secret sauce. Desire for the end goal, like the glory that you extract from it knowing clearly the price that you're going to need to pay to get from A to Z, the belief that, you know, that you can pay the price, that 
it is possible and that when you get to the promised land, it'll be milk and honey. And then finally, extracting something from the process, the action steps themselves, some level of enjoyment, contentment. Like, again, you don't have to, like, have fun doing them. It doesn't have to be pleasurable. You don't even have to really look forward to them. Like, I, I don't actually look forward to workouts. Sometimes I would rather be doing something else. And then when I'm doing them, it's not necessarily, sometimes they're just painful. But at the end, is there a sense of yes? The only thing here with the when it comes to action step, you can't dread them. You don't have to look forward to them, you just can't dread them. That's like you don't need to put you don't necessarily have to have sugar in your secret sauce. But you can't like you know, you, you can't pour the funk in there. You can't pour you can't pour spoiled milk in it. Epsom salt, it'll ruin it. You can't dread the experience. All right, guys. You're thinking now, or some of you are maybe thinking, okay, thanks, Matt. You just told me the secret sauce, and I realized that I don't have it. I don't have all the ingredients. I'm not going to be able to keep eating. (laughs) But is there anything that I can? Can I get the missing ingredient? Yes, you can. It's very possible. We don't have time to talk about it now, but I will in the next podcast. We'll not just talk about the ingredients of the secret sauce. We're going to talk about the recipe. Thanks for joining me. This has been Anchors, Freaks, and Dreams. I will catch you on the next one.